Hi, uh, hope you're all well. Um, I'm Viv, I'm the face behind Skin Pharma Aesthetics in Stockton on Tees. And um, this is, I think, the eighth in a weekly series of lives I'm doing with Dr. Sunny Desi, um, who's hopefully going to join me shortly. Uh, we've been talking about our um, in, about our ultrasound journey and the use in aesthetics. Hi, Sonny. Um, hi, Sonny. Hello, Viv. How are you? Fine, fine. I can't believe it's been three odd weeks since we last did a live together. It has been. It has been. Well, you've been uh, well. You've been very busy. Um, so I'm um, I'm very interested to ask you. I can't. Well, obviously, I know where you've been, but I think yeah. I'm watching. It'd be quite interesting. So, um, yeah. So what? So I, I'm definitely interested to hear about Amsterdam with Tom Van Eyck. So how did that go? That was great. I was um, I was over in Amsterdam about three weeks back, uh, training with Tom Van Eyck. Um, he's a Dutch specialist, world specialist in dermal filler injectable treatments, and he has his own academy in the centre of Amsterdam. So I flew over about three weeks back and carried out training with him, um, with a group of practitioners from all around the world. There was about eight of us all together, and we um, trained in a number of injection techniques to work on different facial problems um, that can be used in different aesthetic issues, you know, the patients might have. Um, great time I had. We went out for a meal afterwards. It was really nice speaking to him. We've got on well for the last few years, and I think we're about the same age. We have the same interests. And we've got the same sense of humour, so we tend to laugh at the same things. <laughs> so we enjoyed uh, working um, in the training and we enjoyed having a meal afterwards. Um, 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 so, so about the training, what, what, what was it, that, why did you specific, what was the training that um, you'd obviously signed up to? What was it exactly that you were covering with him? It was covering dermal filler treatments and using safe techniques to inject dermal filler to create certain effects around the face, doing it safely and, and as effectively as possible. Um, he's got a number of techniques that he's um, created over a number of years. Fern pattern technique, working on skin strengthening, reducing the bending of skin. So superficial lines around the face can be strengthened using that particular technique. Um, lip tension technique, a lot of people don't realise, but it was Tom who actually invented the technique to lift the lip borders um, to produce a natural shape around the lips. I didn't know that. Yeah, uh, that, was, that, was about, that was Tom. That... Tom, um, over 15 years back, I think he invented that technique and he's um, still providing training to help practitioners use that tending technique properly. Um, Julie Horn uses that, she calls it her own, in her own words, she calls it fencing. She uses it slightly differently. But um, there's another technique, Palmer technique, which involves using. Um, a, a, a form of strengthening, but also filling under the skin to pr produce um, volumizing in a natural, effective way, but also doing it in a very safe manner as well. Um, I don't think Tom uses ultrasound, actually, but um, he knows that I do. And uh, we both know Leone, who's a world specialist in ultrasound. So for anyone considering uh, masterclass training with dermal fillers, I'd recommend going to Amsterdam and training with Tom. So I, there's a couple of questions that come to mind that I'm sure people watching would be interested in is, one, 
um, and, and this is for both practitioners who are watching and also uh, clients and patients as well, because it gives you an idea for patients and clients, what it gives you an idea is how much money yeah. it costs to actually go and train with, yeah. with someone. And obviously Viv's gone to a very advanced class, it's not just for beginners. Yeah. Um, and so, so how, yeah, how much was it? For training with Tom um, over in Amsterdam, that included the actual full day's training, included the models, included all the products, etc. I didn't need to do anything. That was um, around about fifteen to sixteen hundred for that day's training. You could spend more, you could spend less, um, but he did it in a really friendly, effective manner. It was nice talking to him. He wasn't um, talking to us as children. He was talking to us as one of himself you know as a practitioner and it was friendly it was effective we spoke to each other in the group together we learned from each other's uh, practical work and it's a thoroughly enjoyable time so you can just, talk was about it just one, was it just one day you did then it was one day it was i was there for a couple of days um but i was spending one day at the training with Tom at his academy. Um, but you can do a lot of different types of training. You can spend days training doing different techniques. It really depends what you want to do. And so um, for those, because practitioners will be interested, we might as well go through the logistics of it. Um, so about £1,600 for a day's training. I'm guessing you could yeah. have done the whole weekend as well without being doubled. Could have. Um, Tom tends to spend a day at a time doing the, the training. Best. Did you, yeah. so did you fly from Manchester or did you fly from Bradford? I flew from Teesside, direct from Teesside over to Shiphol, direct flight and um, straight how, how much, in. How, how much was the flight from Teesside? The flight was, oh, it's probably, I'm trying to think how much it was, it's probably about 100 and, uh, it's about 200 and something pounds return. Um, there was a hotel to stay at for a day or two is that, is that as well. Is that recommended? Hotel was nearby. I just found it myself, to be honest. I um, just found that small hotel. Easy, five-minute walk from the training academy. Quick, easy transport using train from Schiphol directly to the centre of Amsterdam. And then a tram, 10, 15-minute tram journey straight to the hotel from the centre of Amsterdam. Easy for me. It was actually easy for me to go and train with Tom in Amsterdam than it would be for me to train in London or another part of the UK, to be honest. Really? Really? Yeah. Is that is that what you told is that what you told your missus that it's easy for me to fly? Around <laughs> yeah. She knows I love travelling anyway, but it, it really is. It's I'll, actually easier. I'll, um, I'll have to try that one. I'll have to try. That one. <laughs> so, yeah, it, right. I'm, I'm, I'm being honest with you there. It is actually easier for me to fly there than to go to London. <laughs> if it works for you, Viv, I'll try it myself. I'll see. I'll let. I'll let. I'll let everyone know how how, how that works out. Um, that, see what? That's really exciting. So obviously, Tom Van Eyck is a you know, is is a master injector and obviously a master teacher as well. So that that's really interesting. So Viv, yeah. our um, subject today. Just so if anyone that's just joining us now, uh, we are. Uh, um, well, Viv's just explained where he's been. He's been on holiday, and obviously he was training with Tom Van Eyck in Amsterdam. And uh, now, yeah, if you want to introduce the topic for today, Viv. Yeah, so we've been going each week through our story. There's Lynette Kalo Aesthetics, Northern Ireland. I think I've been speaking to her quite a bit since uh, she's been watching us. Um, so tonight, it's continuation of our ultrasound journey in our aesthetics work. And I thought it'd be interesting to look at one particular area of the face, the nose. So 
Um, Non-surgical rhinoplasty, as it's called, involves the use of dermal filler injections injected in various parts of the nose to reshape it, to straighten it, to lift the tape, to do various different things. Um, practitioners um, need to be trained properly to carry out the work. It's not a simple easy treatment to carry out. It also is highly risky. Um, and there is also, as I say, um, Kalo Aesthetics, Lynette, she mentioned today that she is trained to do it, but she chooses not to actually do it because of the risks. And I think that's probably the same with a lot of practitioners. They're quite worried because of the problems related to complications with non-surgical rhinoplasty. So what I'll do, I've got a few shots of um, areas involving non-surgical rhinoplasty. So this is a patient of mine who I treated some time back. And the shot at the top is the before shot, which you can see here. This is the after shot following uh, dermal filler treatment to straighten the nose. She'd actually had um, surgical rhinoplasty carried out. She didn't like the shape of the nose following the surgical work. So she asked if I could help reshape the tip of the nose slightly to just give her a slightly softer end of the nose, which I managed to do. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll pause you there because that's a really good point. Yeah. Just to, there's a little flag that's gone up there for me and um yeah. for anyone else any practitioner wise and, and actually interesting if you're if you're um client or patient watching so viv's just described so viv let me give you a little bit of background on viv so viv um yeah i completely agree um Lynette, that is a very good result so viv you have quite a lot of experience of dealing with clients patients who have had scar or malformations or deformities so yeah. when Viv sort of just shows you, you know, this amazing picture, which is, you know, really, really good result, you're looking at someone who has consulted, I'm guessing, hundreds of patients who have an existing deformity or scar, um, yeah. for example, cleft, uh, cleft, uh, cleft lips. So yeah. it's just a good, it's just a good flag there for everyone that's watching to say, listen, great result, but Viv is displaying a result that has come from hours of patient selection so yeah it takes time and it takes skill and knowledge to build up your ability to carry out treatments and when you see a shot of a before and after it might look like it's a simple thing to do but you don't really realize the amount of work that's gone into doing something like that it looks simple you see adverts on instagram and facebook 15 minute nose job now that to me is a little bit silly i don't think that's a great way of describing the process because it's not just 15 minutes it takes years of of scale practice and experience to be able to do a treatment in 15 minutes and i think sometimes patients don't realize that they only see what's advertised to them um, but if you do have the knowledge skill and ability you still can't guarantee safety like despite me having knowledge training experience i still feel occasionally a little worried about doing certain treatments it's not like every treatment is an easy treatment to do you still need to spend time with a patient find out what the problem is and go through it properly um and this is where the ultrasound comes in as we've been talking for the last seven so, eight weeks so what 
for everyone watching, listening, is that uh, so Viv's got years of experience. We both have. Patient selection is really important. So 15 minutes that, you know, classically cliched advertised. Yes, it might actually only take 15 or 20 minutes, but yeah. you've got years of experience of making sure when the patient comes in that that is the right treatment for them. So, you know, and again, another point Viv, that you, you know, you, you, it's almost secondhand to you because you are experienced, but this is a patient who had had a surgical rhinoplasty. who had surgery yeah. to the nose, but wasn't yeah. happy with the shape of it. And then, yeah. you know, there's confidence there to say from you that actually I, I recognize that you're unhappy after surgery. So I'm going to treat you very carefully, invest my time. Um, I mean, what, yeah. just out of interest for that patient. Yeah. Um, when she said that she had a surgical rhinoplasty and she wasn't happy, did that, I mean, how did you approach that from a kind of... Um, well, it, it, was, it was difficult because, as I say, um, the upper shot is following surgical rhinoplasty and the lower shot is following um, dermal filler treatment after the work that I did. That's the outcome following dermal filler treatment. Now, it's difficult because surgical treatment, you think, is the end all of any aesthetic treatment. You think that's it. You don't need any further treatment. But surgical treatment doesn't always give you the outcome that you want. And with reshaping of the nose, it doesn't always produce the perfect shape for an individual. And when that happens, going through further surgery is just going to cause more trauma and more risk. So it is possible to use dermal filler treatments, but you've got to do it very, very carefully because the anatomy has been changed as a result of the surgery. So I went through a consultation with the patient. Um, she was she was just wanting an improvement. She knew there was risks involved in further treatment, but she was willing to take the risk knowing the ability that I had to help her. Um, I went through the pros and cons of treatment, looked at what the outcome could be. I looked at what the downfalls might be. You know, if something were to go wrong, how could it, how would it affect her? So as long as, long as you go through that process with every patient and they're aware of the risks, they're aware of the pitfalls and you have um, standards in place to deal with problems, then that to me is a suitable position to be in. You need to be careful when you do anything. Perfect. I mean, that's perfect. I just say a quick hi to uh, Dr. Jigna Patel, who's joined us as well. And actually, um, Tarina from Vivesi. So uh, I'm not sure if Tarina was there. So I was at face conference at the weekend. So um, the Vivesi had right. a fillers workshop. And we've got lashes, yeah. of Huddersfield, lashes of Huddersfield and Joanna. So that's brilliant. Um, so, you know, really good. Yeah. And um, the very fact that you went through all of that with the patient, you know, it also... Um, and now we're, we're just joined by Angelica from Get Harley as well. So brilliant, everyone's joining us now. So um, <laughs> the, it, it's really good that you spent the time with her because it allows you to identify whether this, this patient's suitable for, for the treatment. Yeah. So that ne leads us neatly on because from a practitioner who, I'm not trained in non-surgical rhinoplasties, um, and if I was mm -hmm. gonna do it just like, um, just like with Lynette uh, from Kalo, you know, I would probably do a year's yeah. worth of training before I felt even comfortable because at a face conference, uh, yeah. there was a really good talk from an ENT surgeon and yeah. just the scope of patient selection. You know, you need to have confidence yeah. and skill um, before you do it. So that leads us neatly on to how can we implement ultrasound into our practice if we're doing yeah. surgical? So ultrasound, um, 
we've been talking about how we use ultrasound. Now, for practitioners, a lot of practitioners get this magazine, Aesthetics Journal, and this current month's edition, the June edition, looks at complications. And in there is an article by Dr. Zainab. Uh, I'll try and, I'm just trying to find it, actually, Sunny, I'll be one second. Zainab Al-Mukhtar, who's a dentist, and she's also a trainer. And she was... Uh, involved in training when I went down to London um, in March. It's, uh, she this, wrote... one's, this one's a bit difficult because back to front. So anyone reading that now? Oh, yes. Like, yeah, sorry. <laughs> so just, talk, just talk us through it. Just talk us through it. Yeah. So basically in the article, um, it looks at how complications involving non-surgical rhinoplasty can be minimised and reduced and avoided by using ultrasound. So Zainab talks about how she carries out treatments using ultrasound. And what I've got here is a few shots. So I actually helped her um, produce images for the article in the magazine. And this is one of them. So this shows a nose. So you can see the shape of the nose there. And you can see an augmented ultrasound scan. It's vertical, it's not horizontal, but it shows where the tissue is relative to the nose shape. Um, you've got the skin on the far side here. So this is the top of the scan. As you go further down, you get towards the bone and the cartilage. So the cartilage is here. Um, and this is this part of the nose. There's skin, there's fatty tissue, there is muscle. All of these things are visible within an ultrasound scan. I use computer graphic augmentation to layer colour over the scan so you can see it more easily. But that's what the benefit of using ultrasound is. So with ultrasound, we can scan the nose, we can see what is under the skin, and it gives us a pair of eyes that we didn't previously have. Now, the problem with non-surgical rhinoplasty is the biggest complication of non-surgical rhinoplasty is, unfortunately, permanent blindness doesn't happen very often, but so it just, can let's happen. Because uh, that's a bit of a shocker, isn't it? You've just dropped a bomb. Yeah. So anyone listening now, yeah, definitely non-surgical rhinoplasty. So a nose job using fillers can yeah. can result in blindness. And Viv, do you want to take us through it? It's, it's to do with your blood vessels, obviously. Blood vessels it is. run deep into here. So just it's... in layman's terms, just explain yeah. why it would lead to blindness. With the, with the nose, the nose has got blood vessels that run along the length of it. These blood vessels provide uh, oxygen and nutrients to the nose to help the tissue grow as normal. Now, when you carry out a non-surgical rhinoplasty treatment, you use dermal filler, which is a type of gel. It's firm and it takes up volume, it takes up space. Now, if you were to inject in the nose, generally you work along the middle of the nose, that's where we're trained to inject. If you, for some reason, injected into one of these blood vessels that run along the nose, hopefully not in the center, hopefully either side of the center line, but if you were to inject filler into a blood vessel, you could block it, you could cause movement of the filler away from the nose, and you could stop blood flowing from the nose to other areas of the face. Now, some of the blood vessels that run along the nose are connected directly and indirectly to the blood vessels supplying the back of the eye. 
And if a vessel were to be blocked in the nose, there's a risk you will also block blood supply to the back of the eye as well. Yeah. If, it isn't if it isn't detected, if it isn't treated properly, the risk is that blockage will cause a lack of oxygen to reach the back of the eye. The retina can end up dying, the tissue can die, and you can end up blind, which is the biggest problem of doing these treatments. So just, I mean, just for any uh, clients, patients watching there, it's, you know, just that brief description is a, you know, when someone's injecting, who's a healthcare professional like Viv and I, that, that, that thought process is going through our minds constantly. So from, from, you know, needle, hand to needle to injection, as that, as that thumb is pushing down on that plunger, pushing that gel-like substance into your nose, yeah. we, we are recognizing that anatomy and we're making sure that we're reassessing every time. And that yeah. has come through years of experience. Now, Viv, um, just to help us along with this process, so obviously that's the yeah. risk, worst case scenario, blindness, which is a you know, yeah. higher risk. So how, would, how did um, Dr. Al-Mukhtar, how did she suggest that uh, using ultrasounds? So she, um, she carried out some scans of her own and she used images um, in the magazine article looking at how complications could be avoided using ultrasound. So I actually augmented one of the scans that she, that she did. So I'll show you what this scan looks like. Just get it up now if I can find it. There we go. Right, this is a scan and the upper part of the image is skin, lower part is bone. And in between is the various tissue between the skin of the nose and the bone in the, the bone of the nose lower down. Now the distance between the skin and the bone is less than 0.8 centimeters. It's not a big distance. And if you imagine you're moving a needle around, that's the augmented image. So this shows you the tissue. If you're moving a needle into various layers and there's a vessel in one of these layers and you hit it, you can end up blocking it and you can cause a problem with reducing blood supply. Now, with, um, with the blood vessels, they can be in different layers. You're hoping they're not in the very bottom layer where the bone is because that's where the needle needs to be to lay the filler in the right position. So what the ultrasound shows is where the blood vessels are. It shows us where blood supply is flowing in the nose at various layers. It can be in various layers depending on the position that you're injecting at. If um, it, it, It's dependent on what you're doing with the filler. If you're raising the tip of the nose, you would need to inject further down. If you're trying to straighten the bridge of the nose, you'd work higher up. But using an ultrasound scanner, like, as I say, like the Clarys that we use, um, you can scan vertically downwards and you can see what is under the skin so it gives us an idea of where we need to be careful when we're injecting um Zainab when she wrote the article she mentioned a couple of cases that she was involved with and she did some scanning and she found that the blood supply was very close to the bone where she wanted to place filler um, in the tip of the nose so in, with a cartilage in the tip of the nose. So she avoided injecting there. She basically didn't inject where she would have normally had she not have the ultrasound scanner. So the scanner helped her to basically avoid a problem from occurring. Um, you can use the scanner to 
give you vision that you wouldn't have. Now, I just find it odd that the practitioners um, are quite happy to do a 50 minute nose job and not worry about the outcome of okay, having sorry, that right, needle. Okay. Yeah, no, that's fine. That's for another, that's for another day. <laughs> another day. Um, so you had one last, I mean, time's getting on for us and we want to keep everyone yeah. attention. You had a little story for us. Um, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, what about you? You mentioned your story oh, to me as well, didn't you? Mine doesn't sound exciting. No, it's just a, it's really interesting. It was a case today. So I had a phone. I'd done some um, uh, what I call global fillers on someone. So uh, is a, is a lady in her late sixties, um, two stage fillers, and she'd ended up after the first stage. Well, not ended up. It's just a hollow, just an, yeah. underneath the arch of the cheek here was just, a, yeah. you know, you, it was everywhere else had been rejuvenated, but this was still evident on both sides, one more than the other. So yeah. we'd used, um, we, I'd used uh, Tioxane, I think it might RHA3, so a very soft filler. And yeah. because there's nothing behind here, it's not like, yeah. you can, as, as you know, you can't just place filler on and expect it to just pop out. You yeah. have to layer yeah. the filler in, in almost a lattice, yeah. lattice structure. So um, she's very happy with the results and she went away and then about, about, I think it was this week, in fact, she just messaged and said, um, you know, Dr. Sonny, I've come back from holiday and only one person had pointed and I think it was her husband, in fact, she, he just said, oh, have you got a bruise on your cheek uh, yeah. where we'd injected? And she said, no, it's been five weeks. So I just said, look, come in and we'll check it out and see what it is. It's, it's unlikely to be a bruise. And interestingly, in certain aspects of light, you couldn't see it. Uh, direct light you couldn't see it um it was only at an angle that you would notice the, the, a five pence piece size not even that very de defined yeah um blue discoloration so i mean that anyway any practitioners watching well that's not good exciting that's just tyndall effect so where yeah. you know it's why the sky is blue basically the filler is a bit more superficial than it should be or it's it's yeah. achieved the aesthetic result but it's just a bit superficial so yeah. the filler substance absorbs red light and reflects blue yeah. light. Hence, at certain angles, you get this blue discoloration. So, yeah. you know, normally you would just ha be able to explain that to a patient. And I yeah. guess I just have to take your word for it. And But the beauty of ultrasound today was that I said, that's no problem at all. This is what it is. She understood. So jump on the couch, put some ultrasound gel on. And we were, I, we were able to visualize filler where it was, you know, nice honeycomb texture. To where we put filler before very nice and tensile in places especially the cheeks uh yeah. the theory aspects here for for where we'd injected but just here just above the muscle you could just see more of a bolus of filler not not you can feel it yeah. but yeah it's on the ultrasound we can, i can share those slides with with you another time but basically yeah. the ultrasound um the ultrasound allowed us allowed myself and the client the patient to physically see that we've achieved yeah. a really good aesthetic result the hollow is no longer there and i said yeah. well look, there's two options we can either dissolve it and or yeah. we can just leave it it'll probably get better with time and if not we can look at it later and you know she yeah. said I'm, I'm very happy with the result i can see what what it is i can see what it's doing and that's a diagnosis that's you know that the client the patient's happy with so that was my yeah. tyndall story for today with ultrasound so yeah, yeah. How, about, how about you though? Yours is a bit more interesting. It, it, it was just a story of a patient, a new patient who was in touch earlier this week. And I haven't yet gone through a consultation with her. I will be doing that next week. But we spoke on the phone and she mentioned that she's had filler treatments around the face previously for a number of years. 
But unfortunately, about two years ago, she had an accident. She fell down the stairs and she fractured um, her cheekbone and her jaw, um, which unfortunately meant she needed surgery. So she has um, plates, metal plates in her face to uh, hold the bones in position. Um, she's had that for some time and she's wanting treatment now again following the, the accident and the surgery. Um, the problem is she doesn't trust um, most practitioners. She, she was happy with the treatment she's, she's had already prior to the accident, but because of the lack of knowledge of most practitioners dealing with problems involving things like metal plates, um, she wants to see someone who's got the ability to look under a skin and treat the problem properly and safely and effectively. So she was in touch after seeing um, some of the work we've been doing and looking at some of the work I've done involving fillers and ultrasound. And she's coming to see what I can do to help her. Um, so I'll hopefully see her next week. Um, I was in touch with Leonie Shelker about this patient as well, and she's interested to see how the plates show up on a scan and to see how um, treatment could be provided as safely as possible, you know, without affecting the current state of her anatomy, without affecting the fact that the plates are in a certain position in her face. Um, if we were to do a, a standard cheek lift treatment for a normal patient, we wouldn't we, we wouldn't be worried about the needle touching the bone in a certain position. But with a patient who's had surgery, you don't really know exactly what you're going to hit when you touch that needle against the bone. Are you going to be touching a plate? Are you going to be touching bone? Or are you going to be going through a vessel because of the surgery's moved an artery out of position? So that's where the ultrasound comes in, should help me do it properly. So I think, and, and anyone that's wondering why, why, is it, why does it matter? Why can't you just inject onto metal plates? Well, obviously metal doesn't have the same resilience. The HHL is not designed to go onto a metal plate. And also yeah. you know, there's a risk of infection. You'd have to yeah. be, it, once an infection is introduced onto metal, you, you actually normally have to remove that metal or, you know, treat the yeah. But Viv, that would be really interesting to, to follow up once you'd seen, seen her. I mean, I've yeah. got, I've got um, actually, now that you reminded me, I've got a patient with metal plates and we actually ultrasound her prior to doing IPL, in fact. All right. But, okay. Um, that, that's, that's, for another, that's for another time. So when you next share <laughs> that story with me, I'll share the IPL laser plate. Um, IPL laser yeah. plate. That's a new one. <laughs> it'd be interesting to see. It's nine o'clock. So do you want to just um, give everyone a little yeah. brief of uh, what we're um, for the next few weeks? We'll, we'll carry on with the, uh, with the Ussam series. Um, we'll look at another topic next week. But I was speaking with, as I say, Leonie Shelker, who's probably the world's ultrasound specialist in aesthetics and complications. She's been watching our lives and she loves them. And she's happy for us to speak to her in a live to talk about ultrasound as well. So we can do that in the next few weeks, but we could potentially perhaps next week go through some of the work that she does. We can put together some bits and pieces and we can talk about some of the things she's involved with in the ultrasound field, um, helping practitioners with certain issues um, and how she uses ultrasound to make aesthetic work and complications easier to deal with so we can look at that next week if you fancy that'll be brilliant i look forward to it look forward to it so Great. Um, 
thanks everyone for for watching that's uh viv and i signing off on another thursday it's glad to be back viv i've enjoyed it as always yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah thanks very much for having me great no thanks a lot and we'll catch up again next thursday at 8 30 then sonny brilliant have a good one viv and thanks everyone for watching you... cheers okay bye -bye. thanks a lot bye -bye. see ya